0: Welcome to The Amy Williams Show. I'm your host, Amy Williams, and I am so excited that you're here listening to the show today. My hope and my prayer is that you find the strength and the comfort in knowing whatever you may be facing in your life right now, that you are not alone. Here on The Amy Williams Show, I'm all about being transparent in my personal struggles, my successes. And I pray that each episode brings you the motivation to keep moving forward. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. We are on part three of Dear White People, the four-part series. This is Amy Williams, your host on The Amy Williams Show, and we have... Pastor Julian Newman, who has been um amazing at bringing us some great, inspiring information. So here, um, if you have not listened to one and two, please go back and listen. It's one conversation that's been cut, so it will make way more sense if you listen to them in order. All right, here it is. Wait no more. Here is part three, and uh, like I've said on one and two. If this is helpful for you, if you're learning something that you haven't uh, learned before, if you're, you you know, anything that is helpful, please share this so that other people can learn and grow and build bridges with us. All right. And I, so when we talk about kids, there is something that you have explained to me, especially with Eli, my son, with the puppy and the dog. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do that one?
1: Okay. And so, um, for, uh, for black boys, you know, they go through a puppy stage. Okay. So they're cute. I mean, you got an extraordinarily beautiful son, you and Shannon. Um, and he's, you know, he's, he's little, he's two, he's three, he's four, he's five, he's a puppy, you know? Oh, look how cute. And all that's great. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. But then, you know the puppy starts be getting older, and wait a minute, oh wow, wow! This is not just a little boy who's cute with curly hair and brown skin. This is like a little black boy who's moving from puppy stage to dog.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the the Doberman Pinscher, the German Shepherd, the Pit Bull, you know, oh no, it's not fuzzy and cute anymore. Now it's a dangerous threat. Mm -hmm. And so um, in some spaces and places, particularly in the realm of education um, and in segregated communities, when that boy starts to grow up and starts to move out of puppy stage and in a dog stage, now I'm not as comfortable you being in my home. I'm not as comfortable you being in my classroom. I'm not as comfortable, you know, you interacting with my family or maybe saying hello to my daughter because now you are Mm -hmm. a threat. You know, now, you know, you know how black people are, you know how they are, you know, those, those negative stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, it's one thing to have a child that's a puppy. It's quite another when they are a dog. And so we've all been um, thrust into this racial stereotyping that says black boys and black men are these things, you know, a black kid in a hoodie, means one thing, um, another kid. A white kid in a hoodie is something different. Um, if uh, a white child shows, um, you know, intensity or passion, it means one thing. If it's a black boy, it means something else. And so there's this double standard scenario that, um, you know, families um, with with black boys in particular have to navigate because their reality is different. Um, there's, there's a measure of that that's true for, for black girls, but, um, black men, you know, we're threats, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're rapists, we're criminals, we mug people, we steal. Um, we don't how to know how to communicate. Um, you know, you talked about, you know, the thing that people would ask you in terms of what color your kids, the thing that I would get, um, all the time was, wow, you were so articulate. <laughs> You 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 speak so well. Yeah. And so I would get that. And and the reason why I would get that is because there was the assumption that as being an African-American man, I was going to speak in Ebonics. I was going to maybe start rapping or I was going to do whatever. And so um, that shock was like, well, if I was a white person, you probably wouldn't say I was articulate. You would just assume I could talk. Right. And so you know the whole thing about code switching is is yep. important, and code switching basically is um, the ability to um, navigate the cultural linguistics of a different environment.
0: Before we get into code switching, yeah. Shannon always gets the because he's six foot four. Yeah. Every time we when we moved in here, we're in a predominantly all white neighborhood. Yep. And a lot of the neighbors are like, Oh, did you play basketball? Yeah. Like, it's just an assumption. And right. even like anywhere we go, oh, you must have played basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, just because you're black yeah. and you're tall, you, you obviously go. well, got a hoop. And but he did hoop, so yeah. it's just, he's like, Yeah, I did, I yeah. I'm like, You have too. He raps. You he know? did. Yeah, he's he got you know, he's got yeah. a crew. He's an M C he tried, he tried. Um all right, so with code switching, um That was a new term for me a few years ago. Um, I mean, I knew what it was just by experiencing it and code switching myself, but I didn't know there was a a label or a name Mm -hmm. for it. And I find it very interesting because I think I didn't realize that I could code switch. Mm -hmm. Like I I am different.
1: Yeah, we all are. And I think everybody does to an extent. Absolutely. So... I mean, in a general sense, we all, you talk to your, your, um, let's say your grandparents or whatever, or your, you know, your, your aunts or your uncle as a child differently than you would your friends. So mm-hmm. the code that I have with my grandparents or my parents is different than I have with my friends. Um, the way that I speak to my children is different than you and I are maybe having a conversation. So we all have mm-hmm. appropriate l- ranges of communication, depending on the audience. That's just a general human reality. Code switching speaks specifically in relation to um, when it comes to race and culture. So um, one of the things sometimes I've talked about is, you know, being uh, an African-American man in America means that you have to have a certain spider sense where you can assess the room by feel Mm -hmm. um, and you know how to navigate it and position yourself in a way to get what you want. For example, um, some time back, I walked into a bank. It was a cold day and uh, I had a, a big jacket on and I had um, uh, a, a beanie on, okay? So, so I walk in there not thinking, I mean, it was super cold and um, there were some things I needed to do in the bank that were time sensitive. So I walk in the bank and I can see in my periphery this lady like tense up. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, I should have taken off my hat before I came in here because I know now she's she's nervous now. okay, I got this nervous lady on my left. I have the teller who's in front of me who just called me up. She calls me up and um, I I banked in this institution for many years. Mm Um, I was depositing a check from an organization I was working with. She begins to ask me about the organization. How long have I been around? Where do I live? I I go through this interview, um, in the bank with this woman. Now I know that she can look at my account and say that this guy has been, uh, a customer for this amount of time. This has been his. You know, his um, transaction history, you know, she has Quiet. all that. Mm-hmm. Um, she asked me all these questions and, you know, two forms of identification, all these different things that are happening right now. And I know it's because I'm a black man that walked in with a big jacket and had a beanie on my head. If I had come in dressed differently, then I probably there's a good chance I would have had a different experience. Now I don't know that to be true specifically. But based on the experiences that I've had over the course of time, I can accurately, I can more accurately predict. Mm -hmm. And so now I'm in a, I'm in a bind here. If I say to her, ma'am, why are you asking me all these questions? Then we got the manager. We got, maybe she calls other people. Now what's the situation? Mm -hmm. I got this time sensitive thing and now I'm delayed. So what I did is I did nothing. I just answered her questions. And um, there's a mentor of mine years ago um, who has just been a a leader in this conversation, in this space, would say as she would tell her sons that as a black man in America, you have to know how to become small. Mm. And there's an aspect of that that's sad.
0: That makes me mad.
1: But it's true that I have to take it, because um, if I don't, stuff is gonna happen to me. In my Mm -hmm. case, maybe my transactions were delayed. In other cases, in extreme realities, maybe it's uh, an issue of even safety. She -hmm. tells a story, um, because she um, is uh, uh, um, Mexican heritage, um, from her mother's side, and, um, uh, um, her, uh, father was, was black. So she's, um, Mexican and black. And she tells a story when she was a little girl and they were traveling and, um, no one would help them or let them get gas. They wouldn't service them. And they would say, you can't get gas here. So what the family had to do is the dad got in the trunk of the car. So nobody could see that a black man was with them and it changed their experience. And and so, um, that whole aspect of becoming small so you can get what you need, Mm -hmm. um, or assessing or code switching or speaking in a way that makes people feel comfortable and lets them know, wait a minute, I'm not one of the people perhaps that I saw, you know, in the news or on that crime show um is something that you know is just a part of my day-to-day life.
0: I think it's just it, there's certain things that you say that I'm like, "Oh, I'm so glad you said that." And there's other things that I'm like it just fires me up and makes me mad. It makes me mad that you have to hide your dad in the trunk because yeah. he's black, yeah. not your dad, but Yeah. You know, it, it just makes me mad that that people in 2020 yeah. still have that and that there's, it blows my mind, and I, I, there was the um, what was that movie called that you had me watch? I I found part of it on YouTube.
1: Oh yeah, um race, uh, race is a documentary series um called Race: The Power of an Illusion, and it yes. tells it has three different um, um segments or modules that are talking specifically about this discussion conversation relation to race. One of them deals with. Um, the story we tell um, you know our origin story as a country. Um, there's another one that talked about you know um, biology and DNA that's pretty eye-opening. And then the last one deals with wealth um, in, in relation to you know how do we get the wealth disparity you know in our country? Mm-hmm. Um, is it just because these people don't work as hard as these other people? These people or is it bio-lazy? because there you go they're lazy or is it because somehow it was designed? And so it break it breaks down. Um, The whole, you know, discussion in relation to wealth and how we got where we are.
0: So I didn't watch all of them yet. But the one I did watch was about the melting pot. Yeah. And I think for me and Shannon and I will talk about it all the time where I'm like, he, he finally asked me, he's like, what history did you learn in school? And I'm like, honestly, I don't remember. It's been too long. I don't know. But I know I remember learning like the Martin Luther King and the Rosa Parks and like the, you know, the, I don't know what you call it, standard or the, Mm -hmm. whatever the American history class syllabus is. Um, But what was really interesting to me is it was always, oh, America's this wonderful melting pot and it was that idea and then watching that video and seeing that, no, it wasn't intended to be that kind of melting pot. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be a... What do you call it? A European melting yeah, pot, yes. a white melting uh-huh. pot. And yeah. then everything that's not yeah. this white-ish, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: then you're not in the pot.
1: Absolutely. And so, it blew my mind. Totally. You're, I'm so glad you brought it up. So the melting pot thing that we often use in our phraseology to include all of us was not true. That was for Europeans. It was for Italians and Germans. Um, And for people from the Netherlands, it was from people from Russia and other places that would come to America and they would become Americans. So the melting pot was not about people like me. It was about people from Europe. And so we have to understand that uh, America um, in so many ways was built on the dehumanization of, of, of marginalized people our Native Americans. Um, our Africans that came in the transatlantic slave trade, um, you know, Japanese internment camps, um, you know, um, you know, the Chinese, the railroads, um, you know, lynchings of, of Mexican brothers and sisters, the Spanish-American War, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so you you talked about history. You know, we talk about, well, you know, uh, Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks. You know, we've reduced the civil rights era to that. Mm-hmm. And and so what's so crazy is that, you know, there's so many people, you know, Malcolm X and Medgar Evers and um, so many different um, uh, people that have contributed to this thing called America. And and, and it was crazy when it comes to Martin Luther King, we've kind of made him a civil rights Santa Claus. Yeah. And and so we've reduced his life to the back end of a speech. Yeah. And so most of us have never, ever read or listened to the I have a dream speech in its totality. We make his life about one speech or a fraction, a small fraction of, a, of one speech. And we said, that's who he was. Mm-hmm. We, we don't enter into some of the harder things that he said uh, about um, wealth and Vietnam and war. We, we, we make him to be this, um, end all be all and people, you know, we share him. He's a quote, you know, machine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and, and, so, um, you know, black history, black history, is American history, yeah. and we've all been miseducated when it comes to the American story, which is why we have to be proactive and intentional on our own to be able to learn and to grow. Um, you know, Mexican American history is American history. Chinese American history is American history. Native American mm-hmm. history is American history, mm-hmm. and and so the fact that we make these other things really speaks to um, we, we never say white American history. Because we just we just assume that that's history. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so you know um, Washington and Jefferson and all these guys that were slaveholders, most of them. So they penned you know um, all uh, men are created equal, but at the same time they were dehumanizing people and mm-hmm. treating them as unequal. So at the very beginning of the genesis of America, there was this paradox. And we were already violating our ideals at the very inception of this country.
0: So what's funny that you say that, because uh, Black History Month is coming, yeah. and MLK Day is coming, when it's been in the conversation a lot, and it's, in, at least in my circle throughout the years and different friends that I've had, the topic always comes up, why is there BET and no WET, yeah. or why is there Black History Month and no White History Month? And it's like, are you serious? Yeah. So, because I feel like you can explain this much better than I ever could, why don't you want to give it a go?
1: Well, the reason why there's Black History and there's you know Native American Heritage Month, month, and um, you know all of that is because we exist in a world where white is the standard in which everything else is based on and measured. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if we are driving down a road and we see a billboard for a crest. Um, you know, toothpaste and we see a white family and they have great smiles. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep driving. There's nothing unusual about that. Um, but if we saw an all-black family or we saw a Latino family, I go, hmm, that's interesting. And we would say it because it is changing the standard. Mm-hmm. It's like whether it be Barbies, you know, um, black Barbies mm-hmm. that were, were a thing, okay, because... The standard was little blonde Barbies. And every once in a while, you get a brunette one. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when my, do- when my sister was... When I was growing up, my sister's, you know, a black Barbie was a big deal. And in that time, they, they were just white Barbies mm-hmm. that were just like dipped in chocolate, so but to speak. But it's
0: still hard to find. Like, That's- when I went to Walmart and I was looking because I wanted to get a doll, not a Barbie, but just a regular doll... Mm-hmm. They had this huge box that came with like eighteen dolls, like a family set. They were all Caucasian. Mm-hmm. Some were brunette, some were redhead, some were blonde, but there was, but there was not one mm-hmm. other skin tone. Yeah. I was like, really, you couldn't like. Yeah. There are so many other <laughs> shades mm-hmm. you can add. It
1: is a standard <laughs> in which everything is measured. Yeah. So everything else, it's like when we think about, you know, what does it mean to have been American? So when we say, was well, to be an American, it means to be a white person. To be an African-American means to be all these other things. And some people say, well, you know, why do you hyphenate? Why can't you just be an American? And my response often is, "Is I, I will not hyphenate the day when America fully acknowledges my humanity. When America fully acknowledges my humanity, I won't need to hyphenate. But until then, this is what it's going to be.
0: Keep on hyphenating. Yeah. We'll, we'll keep working on it. Yeah. This is where we're cutting part three. Okay, so um, you guys, how awesome is Pastor Julian for coming on and talking about all of this stuff and just being so open and honest and informative. So show some love and go check part four. That's where the really good stuff comes in. So and we have some hope. And and in, in part 4 is where we're going to dive more into what Jesus says and a little bit more about some a few Bible verses that you can look up. So, hope you've enjoyed 1, 2, and 3 and uh, part 4 is on its way. Thank you so much for listening to the Amy Williams show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If that is a yes, please let me know. Find The Amy Williams Show on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or all three of them. It's a great place to reach out and be a part of an uplifting community. It's full of support, motivation, and encouragement for whatever you might be going through. You'll meet new friends, get great content throughout the week, and not just on Wednesdays. The biggest compliment that you can give to The Amy Williams Show is is by subscribing either on iTunes if you're an iPhone user or using the Stitcher app uh, if you're an Android user like me. And uh, the other thing you can do is leave a review with your biggest takeaway. Reviews help get guests on the show and sponsors as well. So uh, that's very much appreciated. And also you can share the episodes uh, on your social media because that helps as well. All right. Thanks again. Go out and have a blessed day.